Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, a daily podcast devoted to spirituality and self-help. If you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So today I have a very, very special guest with me. I have my very own sister, not just a soul sister, but an actual blood sister, Mary. She's with me today. I wanted to introduce her to all of you because Mary has a very interesting story and it's one that I think many of you can benefit from hearing. So welcome today, Mary. Thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> you know you had to say yes. You couldn't deny being on my show. Yeah, I would never deny you. Just so you know, I bombarded her. I asked her like two seconds ago if she wanted to be on my podcast. She's like, oh, okay, sure. Um, no, but the reason that I ask you on here today is because I've been thinking a lot lately about your struggles growing up. Um, for those of you who don't know, and I think I have mentioned this before on my podcast, my sister and I are twins, um, but my sister was born with um, hearing issues. So she was actually born premature. And we tell this story and people are like, what? And they don't believe us. But um, my mom, when she had us, the doctor told her that she got pregnant with me and then six weeks later got pregnant with my sister. So even though we're twins, we weren't actually conceived at the same time because my sister was in a different sack and was really premature. She So my mom didn't know she was having two. And the day that we were born, the doctor said, mark this one baby A. And my dad like knocked over a stool and was like, what? And they had yeah. to, yeah, they had to really like push Mary out because she was way up underneath my mom's ribs. And I yeah, think they apparently a nurse had to get on top of my mom and push me out. Yeah, I think they even cracked one of her ribs or something. And so Mary was still in the sack. So that she had, well, they thought she had a hole in her heart when you were little. She had to be taken to Children's Hospital, and you were in the hospital for like a month. Yeah, I think it was at St. Mary's in East St. Louis. Was it in East St. Louis? I think so, yeah. yeah. And you were there for like a month. Yeah. And then she survived that, and they thought everything was fine. And then I guess when we were around three, two or three, Whenever we started talking, they noticed that Mary wasn't really talking. She would just grunt and make a noise. And they didn't think anything of it at first because when Mary grunted, I knew what she wanted and I would go get it. So they just thought it was a twin thing. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's like a twin language. So she would make her noise and I knew exactly what she needed and would go get it. Well, they started to figure out that she wasn't talking the way that I was, though they're comparing us. So they took her to the doctor and they found out that she had hearing loss. And um, so you had partial nerve deafness. Is that, well, you would know more than I would. Like what? Um, so the three bones that are in your ear, the middle, you know, the bones that are there, mine disintegrated. So I didn't have those three bones. So they actually had to go in and do surgery and put fake ones in but um yeah I don't know if it's really nerve deafness um because now they can actually fix nerve deafness mine the type I have they can't fix yeah so yeah unfortunately she's worn hearing aids since you were 
maybe four or five. Yeah, four or five. Yeah. And we went to kindergarten together. Now, you would go out for speech. But then in first grade, you went to a special school in Wood River. Yeah. uh, East Dalton. East Dalton, yeah. Yeah, so they had a special school for children with hearing impairment. She went there. And um, she's had several surgeries. I remember we would go to the Mayo Clinic in Memphis and you, I know you had surgery there. I know you had surgery at Barnes because I remember going there. And that was the surgery, I think. They actually... Yeah, I think it was the Shea Clinic in Memphis. It was called the Shea Clinic. Um, it was Dr. Moretz, who's actually now a doctor in Georgia, but he's the one who did the surgeries for me. That, yeah, I had three of them. Okay. Yeah, I remember the one, they had cut your ear all the way open. Mm-hmm. It was like all the way around. Yep. And over. Yeah, yeah, I remember as a kid being horrified when I saw your stitches, like for your ear being stitched. But I remember the one time you had surgery and we had our Cabbage Patch dolls and they brought you back from surgery with you and your Cabbage Patch doll wrapped up in bandages. Yeah, the nurse told them that uh, they couldn't let me have surgery alone. So they took Tommy Lee in the surgery room and they bandaged him up too. And Tommy Lee was her Cabbage Patch kid, so... Um, I remember that. That left a big impression on me as a kid. But I also remember, so you went to Blair School until third grade. And then you came back to the school that I went to, to our elementary school in fourth grade. And I remember what a rough transition that was for you because I don't think they wanted you to come back to regular school that soon. I think my teacher actually had recommended that I go one more year there. Possibly two, um, but I think my mom just had a different idea. Yeah, she. I think she just, in all honesty, I think she. It was just more convenient to have all of her kids in one school, which I can understand. Yeah, but I remember when you came back to school, it was a really, it was a weird transition, because I had been there the whole time, and then now here's my twin sister. But it was hard for you because kids kind of picked on you when we were in school. Yeah. And that was hard on me because I would like I wanted to beat everyone up because I wanted to protect you. But I remember you being bullied a lot growing up in that. Yeah. Having it was really hard on you. Yeah, it was. It was cuz I mean, I didn't know who I could talk to or who who I would talk to if they were going to make fun of me or not, you know. I I remember being very self-conscious a lot. A lot. I mean, I don't think I ever got over it. Yeah. I think it stayed with me from fourth grade to high school. Yeah. And that's the, the funny thing is like most people now, if they meet you, they don't even realize you wear hearing aids. And like, if you're listening to her, you don't like from your speech. I remember your speech when you were younger being a, a lot more profound that you could hear that you had a hearing disability. But now you can't hear it at all when you're, I don't think you can. Maybe I'm just used to it, but I don't think you can. And I've had several people who have said I had no idea that she wore hearing aids because you yeah, can't I've, see I've, them because your hair's I've down. I've people that today they are like, oh, I didn't know you wore hearing aids. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things too, aside from just, getting bullied in school. I know that school itself was difficult for you because you had to deal with the hearing problem and having to sit in the front of the class and 
not always understanding everything right away because of, I think it probably at that time took you longer to process things. It did because, I mean, if you think about it, somebody has a hearing loss when, you know, it takes you a minute because you got to figure out, okay, first of all, what are they saying? And then for that to go into your brain and just to like register, oh, okay, she's talking about this. I mean, it just takes, I mean, I deal with that with my kids that I teach in my class. You know, I see that they, it takes them a while to process and they don't have a hearing issue. So I kind of liken that to speaking a foreign language because it takes you a bit longer to understand. Like when someone speaks to you in that language you're not used to, it takes longer to process what it is they're saying to you than if it is your natural language. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that hearing. And I never thought about it that way, that first you have to process what it was you're hearing, and then you have to process it for meaning. So it's almost like processing it twice. Yeah. And it takes twice as long then, which makes total sense. And that's another reason why I wanted to talk to you too, because I don't think a lot of people have much understanding for people with learning disabilities or with you know, disabilities in general, and that it does take longer to process things for anyone with a disability. And I, I think that we're just seeing so many people t- in these days who get impatient and get upset. And I was just thinking about this for you, too, with what's going on now. I can't hear my kids with their mask on. Like, I can't understand what they're saying. So I can't even imagine what it's like for you. And you told the story about how you went to the grocery store and oh so, yeah I was I was at the grocery store and the lady was checking me out and she kept having to repeat herself and I could just see she was irritated and just kind of like you know yeah, you huffy. Just, yes like you just see it in her face like and I you know and I I mean I was frustrated too because I couldn't hear what she was saying but there's her mask plus there's a plexiglass in front of me so and I can't read her lips so I have no idea like what she and her voice is and a lot of people don't understand this either, too. It's like if you have a certain tone of voice, it's harder for me to hear it. Like if you have a lower tone in your voice, I don't pick up those low tones. And people don't understand that. So it's like if you have a softer tone voice, it's harder for me to hear it. So, but anyway, that lady was just kind of like, and she had a softer tone voice and she was just getting mad. And I'm just like... I got so upset that I actually took to Facebook and just said, you know, just so you know, be understanding because if you can't hear with that mask on, we're not trying to be, you know, rude or anything. It's just, it's frustrating for us. We cannot read your lip, you know. It's, I can't hear you. I'm not trying to be rude. It's just, I really can't hear you. Yeah, and you know what, I, I'm honestly struggling too with the whole mask thing, and I don't have... I mean, I may have slight hearing loss just from getting older, but I don't have significant hearing problems. And I have a hard time with the mask, not only hearing, but I didn't realize how much I read lips myself. Like, I actually read lips a lot, apparently. And I, same thing as you, certain tones that people have, I have a harder time hearing as well. Um, so, yeah, and it's funny because, you know, they made those masks that have the clear face in them. And my principal even said, oh, hey, I got you this mask because I think it'll be easier for you, for your kids to 
be able to see your lips and hear you. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. And I put it on, and the first thing it does is fog up. Yeah, I have <laughs> like, one, too. And it's, like, it's, that defeats the purpose, totally. Yeah, I put mine on yesterday for the first time because our hearing impaired teacher gave us one, and I put it on, and it fogged up. And I'm like, well, this doesn't help anything. <laughs> yeah, this was no use whatsoever. <laughs> Brilliant yeah. idea, whoever came up with that. And <laughs> you needed to put a defogger on the screen so that it doesn't fog I know, up. I laughed so hard because I put it on, and I talked, and it just totally fogged up. I'm like, well, that defeats the entire purpose of that match. <laughs> Mask. Yeah. yeah. I put my other mask back on. I'm like, well, I'm not wearing this anymore because it doesn't work. Well, I think the interesting thing about you, too, that a lot of people may not know, my listeners, anyway, is um, that, you know, you struggled a lot in school. And in high school, like to make C's, sometimes it was a hard thing for you. And so a typical person might have been like, well, forget about college or whatever. But our mom was like, you're going to college. <laughs> like, that wasn't even an option for you. Yeah. It was, you're going. And I remember I remember that you might have struggled a little bit in college. But I thought, to me, it seemed like things got better for you. I don't know if you felt that way. And I don't know if it was because when you got to college, you made a bunch of friends. And it's like you kind of found your... I did. Group. I, when I, I did. I found, I guess I, you can say I found people that were more like me. Yeah. In a way, that personality-wise, like, you know, and I think they had been picked on in school, too, and we just kind of all found each other and just started talking and hanging out, and and plus I had class with a couple of them, so it just became easier to make friends in college. And I don't know if it's just because you didn't have that high school thing where you're trying to, like, fit in or... Class, yeah. You know, you just you just become friends with whoever, you know, meets your personality. Yeah, you did really well. And so what people um I don't I mean most of my listeners have probably heard me say this cuz I brag about you because I'm proud of you was that you actually went on and got your teaching certificate and you got a degree in special ed. And so now you're helping students who were like you and who were struggling. And, you know, I think in a way, too, you're a light worker as well because you're helping children. And I think a lot of kids who get diagnosed with learning disabilities and things like that, um, I think really they teach us sometimes as much as we teach them. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that because I think... A lot of my experience as a special ed teacher, I learned from just being around the kids. The kids have taught me so much in the last 18 years of teaching. What advice would you give to parents out there who are listening who may have kids with either a learning disability or a physical disability like hearing loss like you have? Um, One big advice... I would be, say is to be your child's advocate, fight for your child, make sure they get the services that they deserve, and um, patient, always be patient with them, and know, be understanding and know that a lot of the things that's going on with them, it's not their fault, they can't control it, so don't make them feel bad about it, you know, always encourage them, tell them never to give up, you know. Let them know that, you know, yeah, you have a disability, but you don't have to let it stop you, you know. Just be the best that you can be. 
And I think that that's a really good piece of advice because I know that there are a lot of parents out there that just being a teacher regular, you know, I have special ed students in my classes too, but just being a general ed teacher, um, I have parents who there's an IEP for their child and there are services that they could be getting that they don't request. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like you said, it's important for you to be an advocate for your child and also teach your child how to advocate for themselves sometimes because as they get older, you know, you can't follow them through life. So we have to be teaching our children too how to advocate for themselves, how to say, I don't understand this. Can you repeat this? Can you help me? Um, I need extra time or I need this or I need that. Um, And I think for parents especially and teachers, frustration levels get high when you're working with special ed kids or children with disabilities. And that shouldn't be a negative thing. Like to say my child has a disability or a learning disability or a physical disability, that shouldn't automatically, you know, that shouldn't be a negative connotation at all. It just means that, you know, your child has something they have to work a little harder at than anyone else. Because like you, it took you longer to process. So you can learn how to, that's the thing I think, most people don't realize is that a person may have a disability, but they can learn how to adjust to that disability, how to, um, I'm trying to think of the word, how to, um, compensate or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, how to strategies that they can learn how to use strategies to, get around that disability so it you know every there it's possible it's very possible just people need to stop having a negative mind about it because yeah I think that that's a big part of our society that needs to change is the judgment that goes along with you know we talked I've talked before about mental illness um there's such a stigma with that and I think same thing with special ed and with disabilities that people are like, oh, I don't want my child to be different. Well, different doesn't mean bad. Different just means different. And it means you might have to make some adjustments, but that doesn't, there's no reason why your child can't outshine and, you know, just be the best version of them possible with your love and support. There's no, I mean, you're living proof of that, that you can you can do whatever you put your mind to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, some of my students that have the disabilities are... I had a student that was a creative artist. I mean, he could draw... I mean, I can't draw a stick figure, and this kid could draw... like He looked like he could be a cartoonist, the way he drew. It amazed me. And then, you know, you have others that... You know, he's on the autism spectrum, but he could read beautifully. It's it's just amazing. So it's, you know, they may have some strengths that compensate for the weaknesses. So it's, I just wish people would be more positive about it and not be, oh, special ed is just, that's, that's just the dumb kid class. Because you hear that and it's like, that's not true. It just means you have 
some sort of weakness that you have to work on. And it doesn't make you a bad kid. It doesn't make you a, it doesn't make you a bad parent if you have a kid that's in special ed. There are many reasons for why that child might have to be in special ed, like me. Something happened at birth that was out of your control. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean your kid's a bad kid. That's just the nature of things. And having a positive mindset is the only thing that's going to help your child, you know. So you don't want to break their self-esteem by making them feel bad about themselves. You want to lift them up and you want to say, you can do this. You can do this. Yes, keep going, you know. I like the idea of highlighting the positive things that you see in your children, you know, so maybe they may not be good at math, but maybe they are awesome at art and they can draw. And so highlight that and do things that really promote that. And it doesn't mean that you say, oh, well, they're just never going to be good at math. No, I mean, I would never put any limit on a child, but you you know that they might struggle more in that subject. So getting them the extra help there where they need it, but highlighting what they are good at and fostering that in them. So it helps them to develop this desire and passion for art or for reading or music or whatever it is that drives them. And honestly, I do feel like a lot of kids who come here with disabilities are actually here to teach us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a privilege to be touched by the lives of these children because they're here to show us unconditional love. And, you know, instead of tossing people with disabilities to the side and saying, you know, oh, well, that's just, you know, that was a mistake God made, you know, which I can't even believe people would say something like that. But I know that there are parents who treat their kids like that. Instead, we should be saying, how lucky am I that God thought that I was a good enough person to be blessed with a special and extraordinary child, and I've been given the privilege of seeing this child grow up and fostering love and respect and all of these things in this child, and I think that, you know, we we look at things the wrong way sometimes. It's all about perspective, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody could have chosen to look at you and say, well, she'll never be able to go to school or she'll never be able to do this. And instead, you were encouraged, like, you need to go to school. You can do this. And look where you are now. You have a master's degree. You're getting your second second master's degree. I only have one master's, folks. She's working on a second so, I mean, that's that says a lot. That says a lot. And you should be very proud of yourself, I think. I'm proud of you. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> so do you have any parting words of wisdom for parents or educators out there who are working with special needs kids? Um, I think I would... You know, main thing is just stay positive. Stay positive with those kids. You're al- you're always going to probably have a kid that's going to work your nerve. There's always that one kid. I mean, everybody has that, like every teacher. But if you have a kid like that, look for the positive because there's always a positive. Somewhere in there, there's a positive. So always look for the positive with these kids because... You might be the person that steps up 
and changes that child's world for the better. So be that person that can step up and change that child's world for the better. I love that. And I love that. And I think that's so true. Even with just regular ed teachers, I think you're so right. We, you know, when you see a kid that just makes you want to go, oh, I want to retire today Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there will be those children who do that. They test you. But a big part of the kids who do that, they're trying to get your attention because they're seeking attention. And so if we look for it in the positives, if you know, you notice that this kid's a pain, but they're good at this, you know, they're they're really they're good at talking. They're able to talk through the whole class, maybe use them to help do speaking activities with the kids or to lead a conversation about something directed in the right way. Mm-hmm. And which is, it's not always easy, but it's definitely worth it if you can make connections with those kiddos. And, you know, it's very important to establish positive relationships with your students. I can't say that enough. I mean, I've had in the last few years, I've had a couple of kids that it would have been a different situation had I not had the right attitude of working with them. Yeah, I absolutely. And I've seen it in my own classroom as well where I've gotten students that another teacher had and I made a positive connection with that student and then when the other teacher and I were talking they were like he was a terrible kid he did this he did that I'm like he's doing great in my class but I also stand at the door I say hi I check in with them I want to know something about them personally and try to make things meaningful and when I create writing prompts I include the things the kids say they like and it's just, it's things that don't take that long. They don't take that much effort and time. And they make a world of difference because then it's like the kids have your back. You know what I mean? And they I've do. experienced that in my classroom too. Like when I have had, when I had the situation with a kid who, you know, I wasn't at the school anymore and he kind of bullied me. All the other kids that I had like sent letters and stepped up and they're like, what? <laughs> How dare you do that? Because I created those positive relationships with those kids. So it definitely, they'll have your back if they know you have their back. So they do. Um, Well, thank you for being on here with me. This was fun and exciting. It was fun. Anytime you want me to come on. Yeah. We may have to do another podcast in the future because we're, Mary is just getting into like tarot reading too. And so we're kind of working together and we may be working on some stuff upcoming where we might do a live together or something. Um, Yeah, because we just decided we want to work together because we have fun, whatever we do together. So So why not do what you love with the people you love? So we're going to work on that. I want to thank you guys for being here with me today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a review from wherever you're listening. You could leave me some stars on iTunes. That would be great. Um, I did not pull a card for you today. However, I was doing a little meditation earlier and I did channel a message for you all. I kept getting the message that we need to be grounded. The energy around us is shifting. We are moving towards a huge energetic shift. And I know it's been happening, but we're kind of getting to the I want to say climax or the, you know, the the high point of this energy shift. And so it's really important for you to ground yourself and balance your energy and to do some self-care. So whether that's going outside in nature, 
walking on the grass, sitting outside with your cup of coffee and just watching the birds fly around you, maybe going for a walk, go get a massage, take a hot bath. You know, sometimes self-care is even just saying, okay, I'm going to organize all my bills and set everything up for auto pay so I don't have to worry about that. It's one less thing, you know, and a time-saving thing. Whatever it is, do something that is going to help you feel better and give you more time to do what you love to do because um, this energy is really, really tough right now and everyone is going through it and you're probably noticing you may feel exhausted and just drained and feel just blah all the time. It's this energetic shift. So when we start feeling that way, that is our signal that we need to be doing more things to take care of ourselves. So please do that. Know that the universe has your back and is doing things behind the scenes to bring you to your next level of success. It is coming. So be prepared. Be grateful. You know, do your gratitude every day and take care of yourself and do that self-care. Okay. And also, if you want to work with me, you can book a session online. Go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you can purchase a session directly from the website. And when you're ready to book it, you can simply contact me anyway, and we'll schedule it. Also, um, you can still buy my book, Beautifully Broken. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And my Mindfulness Matters program, which is a mindfulness program that you can use in the classroom with your students, or you can use at home with your own children. They say that 12, 10 to 12 weeks of mindfulness practice helps to actually retrain the brain and make new neural pathways in the brain, which if you have a learning disability or your child does, actually helps to reverse that because exposure to trauma and PTSD is what causes the learning disabilities sometimes in the first place. So mindfulness actually helps to correct that. So uh, I want to thank you again. I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. I am sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.